Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yo, what is up, Believers, and what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I am Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode of Believe in Bears is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season, it's in its last leg. It's in its final swing. And look, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, bet online, it gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always that online casino as well. Hint, hint, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, Bears, Texans, week 14 on the lakefront. Trubisky versus Deshaun Watson. Finally, we're going to decide who is the better quarterback. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Finally. Finally we're gonna make that decision. This game can uh this game could not get over soon enough for Bears fans. We do it not. can't come soon enough. Let's get it over with, right, baby? We don't we don't need this. This is this is terrible for our self esteem. This I mean I'm not I'm not looking forward to this game no matter what happens. It doesn't feel good. It's crazy, right, where Bears have lost six in a row. They've lost in a myriad of different ways, most specifically by blowing a 10-point lead to the Lions last week with a defense that, for the better part of two and a half years, has played some pretty solid football. Last two weeks, it's fallen apart a little bit. And now who do we get? We get the guy who we probably should have drafted all along on the other side of the field. And look, the, the Texans, they're not going to the playoffs this year. They're under 500. They're a little bit in the same boat that the Bears are in, right? They're going to be looking for a GM. They're going to be looking for a new head coach. But guess what, Cameron? They got a quarterback, which puts them probably miles ahead of where the Bears need to go moving forward. And doesn't that sound so nice? That's the thing about these football teams is that, like, it all, it all just builds around the quarterback position. And you could have this part that you're missing or that part that you're missing. You need the GM. You need the coach. You need to have that guy to, to you know, the play caller, whoever it may be. But if you have the quarterback, you are just so many levels ahead of the other guy, and you got to envy the Texans in this position, man. They, they're they looking in the next season, and, you know, they're going to have to find all these new parts and pieces. But they got one thing for sure, and that's what us Bears fans are going to be, you know, longing for is just who's the guy next year. And, uh, well, you know, I, I guess I'm envious of a 4-8 and eight team <laughs> at that point. Yeah, to the uh, Believe in Bears fans that listened to the past episode talking to Fred Davis and Henry Thomas, you know, it's just like, you know, what do you think about Deshaun Watson? They're like – we love him. It's just like, okay. So, wow. I mean, there's a deep there's a deep love affair going on with Deshaun Watson and Texans fans. And isn't it interesting, too, that when the Bears head into the offseason, the Texans, when they're talking to prospective GMs and head coaches, they're basically selling the pitch of, we have Deshaun Watson. Everything else, do what you want with, remake this defense, you know, try and go out and find a replacement for DeAndre Hopkins, a guy who we never should have traded in the first place. And what are the Bears – what do you think the Bears are going to be pitching, you know? Charter franchise, legacy, remodeled Hallis Hall, um, diehard fan base, Super Bowl shuffle, uh, lifetime supply of Italian beefs. Um, oh, yeah, right. Still don't have that quarterback. It's, it's going to be an interesting time heading into this offseason. And the offseason is not going to be fun. There's definitely – there's just a lot of questions that need to be answered. You know, we talked a little bit last time that you and I spoke. There definitely are – um, you know, some good things that the Bears have to build off of. But like we said, it just all revolves around that quarterback. I don't think that this is a total teardown organization. 
But without the quarterback, you don't really have much at all. And even as we've seen, you might have some good pieces, but if they don't fit with that quarterback, it's, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot. And so I think that the quarterback is the most important thing to have uh, when, you know, when constructing a roster, when trying to put a team together, and when we're talking about who are we going to bring in and how are we going to attract them to this city and to this team, to this organization. It is tough when you're sitting there looking at the most important, uh, most important roster spot in sports, the most important position and saying, we don't have an answer yet. We got to figure that out. But hopefully someone takes that as a challenge and an opportunity and sees it as a, as a chance to turn around a, a struggling uh, franchise that is, you know, very important in the history of sports. I'm going to ask you a tough question that is not easy to answer, but let's see if maybe we can unpack it and see if we can pick a couple of things up here where it seems like the bears more than anything else, especially at this quarterback position that we're talking about need stability. So when we're talking about that between the McCaskey family down to Ted Phillips, down to Ryan Pace, down to Matt Nagy, how have they been able to get into this position where it seems like the communication has just been wildly off, right? I mean, let's even roll it back to like Lovey Smith. You know, when Lovey Smith was fired, they brought in Phil Emery. Oh, I'm sorry. They brought in Phil Emery with Lovey Smith still around already kind of a weird mismatch fired Lovey Smith, the Mark Trestman situation. You had Bruce Arian sitting in a hotel being like, Hey, I'm ready to coach Jay Cutler. Let's rock and roll. Something happens there at the last second. They go with Mark Trestman. Trestman goes out. Emery goes out. Ryan Pace comes in, but they hire John Fox, who isn't necessarily a Ryan Pace hire. And then he finally gets Matt Nagy in. But ever since he's had Matt Nagy, you know, Trubisky was not the guy that Matt Nagy drafted. So they bring in Nick Foles. And we've talked about it over and over and over again about how the personnel doesn't necessarily match Nick Foles. It's probably lined up a little bit more to what Trubisky does well. So how does this continuously happen over and over again, leading all the way up to week one, Cameron, when they trade for Nick Foles, give up a fourth round pick, and then they give the job to Mitch Trubisky only to snatch it away from him two weeks later. Again, like, am I wrong? These guys just haven't been on the same page. How does that happen in an organization? Seems like there's been too many cooks in the kitchen or maybe not a designated chef, if you will. Uh, You know, when you talk about like in New England, that's Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is making every single decision. Now, granted, there are people in positions. He's not a coach GM like the Texans had, uh, you know, obviously at the beginning of the season with the Bill O'Brien situation. But ultimately, if it doesn't fly with Bill Belichick, I think Robert Kraft is even, you know, deferring to Bill Belichick on all matters pertaining to football. They have one clear designated vision Everything has to go through that. I think the Bears have never really established who it is that is making ultimately all the football decisions. And people defer to one another. People come in, you know, oh, I like this guy. I like this guy. This is our vision. But it's never really set in stone. It's never really been clear what this identity is. You know, they've tried to hold on to this great, this great defensive football mentality and still bring in people to boost up the offense. But there was never really a clear and concise plan. And we got this coach for this, you know, this era, but it didn't align. It didn't match up. I don't think that, you know, in the last 10, 12, 15 years, that there really has been a clear and concise plan as to moving forward, who has the vision, who has the say, and ultimately where this team is going. And that's what you get is just, hey, we were a little better this year. We're a little worse this year. Um, but we're ultimately just kind of trying to make sense and juggle the pieces that someone else put out on the table. But we've never had our plan 
instilled and in place moving forward. Cameron, I am praying to the Ditka gods that this is the last time I'm going to ask you this question because I think this is our third annual Cameron Lee's insight into a locker room right now that is falling apart. I believe I asked you three weeks ago, you know, hey, you're coming out of a bye. You know, what are guys seeing in that locker room right now? Well, how are you wrapping your head around getting, trying to get back on the winning path? The Packers blew their doors off. Last week, you know, you got your, you got your doors blown off. You're playing the Lions. It's a feel-good situation. What are you telling your guys to get off the losing schneid, to get back in the win column? They blew the lead in the last couple minutes of the game. It's at six in a row. They're playing the Texans. They are at home this week. The team is five and seven. Strangely, strangely enough, a game out of the final spot for the playoffs. Cameron, if you're in that room, if you're on that team right now as a former player, you know, what is your mental mindset? You know, what are the conversations like? You know, because at some point it's just same old, same old. I mean, are they beating their heads against the, the wall here? Or are they taking a different tact? What are they thinking? Man, <laughs> at this point, You'd like to be you'd like to be of the mindset this entire team is focused, locked in, we're gonna make this whole thing work, we're gonna find a way. But kind of given the way these last couple of weeks have gone, what we've seen from the defensive side of the ball, kind of you know, not not that we're hearing rumblings of dissatisfaction, but there is just kind of this feel that this thing's not going anywhere. And, you know, whether it would be earlier in the season with the AR situation and not extending him and just like never seeming like things ever totally came together and now like it was one thing when you're when you've kind of got these rumblings and these things that aren't going great and you're winning but like that should have been an indication that something's off and something's wrong because now <laughs> this team is you know the wheels have completely fallen off they're looking to lose seven or they could lose seven consecutive games I mean like this it's bad and I, you'd like to think that everyone's in the locker room being professional and having that mindset. But like, I think that at a certain point, man, guys are going to start to look to get theirs. They're going to start to look to move on from this situation. And you don't want it to be that way, but you also can't blame guys for starting to think that way. Cause when the wheels come off and you know, people are going to be, someone's going to be standing around holding the bag for this. And I think guys are going to start to look to get their, their numbers and try and, and move on and have a, have a better career elsewhere. Cause I, I'm, I mean, I think this whole thing is going to come crumbling down, and I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, if guys start to turn internally. That's a really interesting point leading back to earlier in the season with the Allen Robinson situation because it's the first sort of sign that things just weren't hunky-dory. And remember, we were trying to wrap our head around, you know, Allen Robinson, leader of the team, you know, one of probably the most liked guys perhaps maybe in the locker room, also perhaps among Bears fans. The fact that they couldn't get a deal done and he had to go to social media to sort of air his grievances was that first sort of sign that nothing was really great. Also, you know, you never really got those flowerly, crazy, complimentary comments about either Trubisky or Nick Foles that, you know, the wide receiver or the tight end just sort of, you know, perfunctorily throw out there before the season starts up. Like, he's our guy. He looks great. Let's rock and roll. I would like to think that in today's NFL, there's probably only one defense. I would say the Steelers who all season long have not really truly had a dud. They haven't played their best football week in and week out. But if you go across the league, even like an Indianapolis Colts team, a Miami Dolphins team, every once in a while, they'll give up a, a 30-burger. So the last two weeks, there's a part of me that's like, well, you know, this is just kind of the modern NFL. A great defense can't be great one through 16. They're going to have a couple of missteps. But, man, I'm with you. You really start to ask yourself the question, the way that we've seen the tackling the last couple of weeks, you know, whether some of these guys are really going to be interested in, you know, sticking their nose 
into the business that they need to be sticking into and whether they're just going to be maybe trying to play off the string and get through this sucker. I mean, it's not that we're going to learn a lot this week, but I think we can probably tell with our eyes maybe a little bit easier where the head of this football team is right now. Yeah, that's it's not it's never a fun situation when you get to this point. I've played on a bad football teams before. It's just a really football is a really really tough sport to play. I, I hope I'm not, you know, saying anything too obvious. It's a really really tough sport to play. It's even tougher when you've got nothing to play for and you know, and I, obviously there's still stuff can happen. <laughs> things can things can turn around. Things can get better. But I mean, like, there's just a certain point where uh, you're just kind of out there playing for yourself, playing for your own pride. I, I'm not saying that that's exactly what has happened. I just wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, if like in the locker room, there's just enough of a struggle, just enough frustration, enough, you know, just turning and pointing fingers and you know, if, if they can't fix this losing streak in the next game, maybe two, I mean, like, I, at a certain point, I, I don't mean to be this guy, but, like, really, what's what's the point? The walls come crumbling down in the walls. Let me ask this, let me ask this question to you because no one's asking it, and it seems far-fetched, but let's just play – let's play with the fantasy for a second. If the Bears – if the Bears rip off – their next four wins and go to nine and seven and let's just say they sneak into that final spot in the playoffs would you think that would be you know do you think the amount of of quality play that would have to happen to have that go down would actually be something that could make them an interesting opponent in the playoffs or do you think it would just be more the same of this team is Jekyll and Hyde They'll win five, they'll lose six, they'll win four, and you just don't know what you're going get to get from this team on a week-to-week basis. Is there any even shred of a silver lining of a concept that this team can come together and find a quasi-identity where if they won four games in a row, they could actually do something in the playoffs? No, I don't. I, I really don't. If, the, if they would be to go out there and win four games in a row and make the playoffs, I think that it would further reaffirm the idea that this team is too good to that they'd be just good enough to justify what they're doing and they would be caught in the trap they need to be five and eleven you know they need to they need to face the fact that what they're doing is wrong and they have to completely not not necessarily a total teardown but they need to accept the fact that this isn't it and they have to make major changes because if they if they get into the playoffs and then get their asses kicked in the first game or, or you know get bounced early whatever it may be you know, that we're going to come back and say, wow, man, they, they made the playoffs. They look at the turnaround. But we're still going to see a team that was that was that had this great record early on, was garbage for large chunks of the season, and then got hot and beat some really bad teams, like much like they did early on in the season, and then made the playoffs. That team's not good enough to, to be something that you want to build off of. That's an unstable, um, you know, core. That's, that's, that's not good. So I, I would much rather see them at this point say, hey, you know, like what we've got might be good enough to, to get in on an expanded playoffs, but we're not going anywhere. We don't have the quarterback. We have an old defense. Um, you know, this roster is not constructed properly. I would rather see them do worse, face the fact that they've done a poor job and make changes rather than try to continue to prove that they were right with this formula, which clearly isn't. 
And you're making a really great point too, where we truly are at the point of no return for this Chicago Bears iteration team coaching staff as we perhaps see it, because I, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation or damned if you do, damned if you do situation, because if they go five and 11, it's just going to obviously, we're already on that path. We're already walking down that trail. If they do get to nine and seven, a little bit of what I'm hearing too, as well is it will just make the dysfunction more glaring. We're like, you would look at and be like, this team is talented if it wasn't for the dysfunction with the offensive play caller, if it wasn't the dysfunction with making the quarterback decision and sticking to it early on in the season, if it wasn't for the dysfunction of a general manager who thinks he can be complacent with the offensive line and not spend money or, you know what I mean, not, you know, burn, you know, he's using second draft cap, second round draft capital and offensive linemen, but he's not really paying a lot of attention to it. Instead, he's given a ton of money to Robert Quinn instead of maybe spreading that out to a couple other quality players for depth. It's really going to be, they're not going to pat themselves on the back. I don't think bears fans will, if we get to nine and seven, it'll just be, you know, we're, we're, we should be way better than this. And even if we do finish five eleven, obviously I think we're a lot better than that, but nine and seven would maybe help them save their job. But I think either way, it's all trending in a direction of things need to change. Yeah. I, you know, maybe this is the NBA fan in me that recognizes this, but really at this point, the difference between nine and seven and five and 11 is just a matter of pride because the organization's not going anywhere either way at nine and seven, they played a lot of really bad teams and scrape together some really ugly wins, and that's it. That's the ceiling. That's the ceiling in this iteration. So I don't really want to be that. I don't think that, you know, you look out there and you're like, hey, there are some good players on this team, but the way that they're constructed, the way that this team is set up, 9-7 and seven is not going to be a standard that Bears fans, that this organization, that the city is, is you know, up for. That's not what they want. That's not what anyone wants, you know, and, and seeing them come in and play – um, just this up and down style, not really having an identity. That ain't it. Like that, that is not going to be it. And so honestly at five and 11 versus nine and seven, it really is just a matter of pride, but let's be honest. This is the NFL. This is a business. Uh, guys are getting shipped out anyway. You know, like there's going to be major changes or at least there needs to be. Uh, so I would, I would rather see them just suck it up and face that. I'm not, I'm not saying tank. I'm not saying throw games away. I'm not saying, you know, Greg Williams, this whole thing or whatever, but just, <laughs> just, <laughs> what do you mean? Dye your hair and change your complete complexion so you can get a different job for the third Dude. time. <laughs> like, um, yeah. But, but seriously though, I mean like <laughs> there, there's just, there are a lot of problems. I, I would sometimes, I'm like a rip the bandaid off type of guy. I would rather just say, Hey man, we have an issue here. Let's face it that rather than going, Hey, but we do this. Okay. Like we we're okay at this. Like let's, there are problems. Fix them. Like face them and fix them. Not, you know, pat up what you did. What you did fine, dude. That's why we need you in the front office, man. Because I was looking at it today. I think over the last fourteen seasons with the Chicago Bears, they've gone eight and eight or seven and nine. I think seven of those years, some sort of crazy number like that. I mean, and it's just right in that middle. You talked about it last week. QB purgatory. We're in. We're in football purgatory as the Chicago Bears. I mean, we haven't won a playoff game since two thousand ten. You know. We won 11 games that year. We won 10 games, and then we fired Lovey after a 10-game season. We had the 12-game season in 2018, and then other than that, it has been me mediocre at best. And you start to look around, and you're like, oh, wow, the Jets and the Jaguars have won more playoff games in the last nine years than we have, the Chicago Bears, the charter franchise. And 
you know, someone at some point, I, I'm with you, someone at some point just needs to say, this needs wholesale change. This isn't good enough. We have to change the way we're doing business. We have to change philosophically, whatever it is. And, you know, just start thinking, looking at things differently. Yeah, it's, uh, you mentioned the charter franchise. The Bears are one of these old school, hard-nosed reputation. They do things the right way. It's real conservative. And I, I don't mean to, I mean, I keep bringing it up, kind of being like NBA nerd analytical guy about this. But uh, I, I noticed this. There was this, uh, there was a video from when the Steelers played the Redskins. And uh, Mike Tomlin was talking to Chase Young. I don't know if you saw this, but Chase Young went over to the sideline and dapped up uh, Coach Tomlin. And Coach Tomlin said, I don't ever want to play. He said, I don't ever want to have a player like you on my team. And Chase Young, you're like, why would you say that to a player as good as Chase Young? And he's like, because you have to lose a lot of games to get a player as good as you. You have to lose 14 or 15 games in a season to get a player like you. Now, granted, I'm not saying tank and go get uh, Trevor Lawrence or whatever your thought process is, but I'm saying the Bears, you're exactly right. Seven or eight years, they're seven, nine, eight and eight. That is purgatory. That is absolutely like you're not going to get better if you just do kind of the same thing over and over again and just run it back and make these small half moves, like half measures, like we said in the beginning, like with the Nick Foles move, like that was a half step. And like all these decisions, they, they just need, they need a change. They need a change. They need an identity change and to do, you know, big moves, big drastic moves. And I think you would see the ultimately you know, that might be worth it. I mean, think about kind of like where we thought of as the Dolphins like a year or two ago or three years ago. Now, I mean, they're arguably, a, they're a top, they're a top eight team in the league, you know? So it's just, it's, it's hard to get your mind around and it's not an easy thing to do, but sometimes these drastic changes and bringing in someone completely new and changing up just the voices in the locker room can do a lot. And I, I don't know, man. I think that I would be pushing for major changes at this point. But then again, I'm just, I'm a blog boy. And what's devastating, and I'm a pod pal, uh, and what's <laughs> devastating about it for Bears fans is, you know, we already went through the rinse cycle of this after Tressman of we're going to bring someone else in, we're going to pull it down the studs, we're going to build it back up, and when we build it back up, it'll be better than ever, and we will have stability and consistency in winning seasons. And we just got one season of that. And now we're already just sliding back down the mountain and perhaps entering another situation where a new guy is going to come in and be like, hey, this is going to take two or three years. Hang with us. We'll make it happen. And next thing you know, you turn around and you're like, man, this has been a decade. <laughs> this has been a decade as a Chicago Bears fan. So they have the right to be upset. You know, do Bears fans, I think, also are a bit complicit and enable the behavior of the Chicago Bears organization where you hear all the time of like, I just want defense and running the football. Well, guess what, Bears fans? That's exactly what the organization wants to give you. And if you keep saying stuff like that, you're going to keep getting the same, you know, drivel, the same like gruel that you're going to keep eating year and year and year after year after year, because this is a modern NFL. You know, you just need, it starts with the quarterback, you know, defense be damned maybe god forbid you know you mean you need the air vertical passing attack and that old mantra that bears fans want to cling to it's a bygone era and part of it is a small morsel as to why the bears organization is where it is because then they don't have to make those kinds of moves right like they can just get their mitch trubisky and say that he's say he's the man you know what i mean instead of actually like really you know doing the the diligence and there's reports out there of how ryan pace didn't even schedule workouts with deshaun watson and wouldn't even go to dinner with him and barely did the work on Mahomes, even though he liked them. And it was 
laser focused on Trubisky the whole time. It's just like, man, this is it's a ridiculous place, Cameron. <laughs> and that's the that's the worst part about it is that like, you know, back to the whole point about like these top draft picks, like we had one. We yes. just blew it. We just had our shot. It. Absolutely. You can't miss. Just, just blew it. Traded up to get it. <laughs> and blew it. Which is still blows my mind because everyone I knew everyone was going after Solomon Thomas. Little did we know Dude, that everyone John, wanted John, Mitchell Trubisky. John Lynch pulled our pants down and spanked us. <laughs> and the funny part about it too is that he Pace was so thirsty for Trubisky that he had to trade up. God forbid the 49ers took Trubisky at two and Pace would have been like, you know what? I can still live in the world where I decide between Mahomes and Watson. He could not Ugh. live in, he could not live in that world. That, that's Gosh. just, that's what's mind blowing about it. But Cameron, we do have a football game coming up this weekend. And, uh, you know, as per tradition, uh, you know, we have a job to do here and we have to get into Cam's keys. Typically this is called Cam's keys to a victory. Week 14 coming up against the Texans, but this one I'm just going to call Cam's keys to Matt Nagy surviving and keeping his job for one more week. Um, so let's get into him. What's your first key to keep Matt Nagy's job in week 14? Well, you, you audible, you changed the title, which is going to have to change <laughs> the keys. Hey, no, whatever these keys no, are, no, no, are no, going no, no, to help no. him keep his job. Well, the first key to Matt Nagy keeping his job, I don't know, I think it's win the game. <laughs> Great start. <laughs> But okay, so we'll go from there. So to in order to win the game, uh, we're gonna have to run the ball and we're gonna have to do it well. Texans are terrible against the run. Bears are coming into their own, finding their ability to run the game. Offense has looked great. I think has been you know, not like these last two weeks has been, in my opinion, as good as they've looked offensively, especially last week. Looked awesome against the Lions. Texans are a bad, bad, bad defense. They're 30th overall in the league. They are. Uh, 31st overall against the run, giving up 151 yards per game. If we can't do it now, then we're never going to do it. So I want to see Dave Montgomery. I want to see Cordero Patterson. I want to see Mr. Bisky. Even though we haven't seen him much in the run game, I'd like to see uh, him being utilized more. Uh, but, yes, running the ball should not be a problem. It has been important to the Bears when they have been able to score points and actually win games. They've been doing that. I want to see them continue to do that this week. Our keys look very similar, Cameron. I'm right there with you. I saw that 151 number, and I was like, okay, here we go. You know what I mean? And this is another matchup set up perfectly for an offense that's been terrible all season long but has seen small little signs of life, a little bit of progress these last couple of weeks, and again, set up perfectly. Texans are allowing opponents to complete 68.6% of their passes. They're allowing the third most first-half points this season, 15-6, to six, so – I'm right there with you in the running game. I think David Montgomery can get off to a great start. 11 different running backs have scored at least 14 fantasy points against the Texans this year. Eight different running backs with 90-plus rushing yards in a game. Nine with at least 100 all-purpose yards. I'm looking at David Montgomery to go, dare I say, back-to-back 100 all-purpose yards game, uh, purpose yards again this week. So running back is one of my first keys. My second key is also get off to a fast start in that first quarter, second quarter. Because you know what? I'm chucking the third quarter out, Cameron. We're not scoring in the third quarter. I've given up. It's over. Sometimes you just need to know when to cut your losses and to move on. So I think in the first half here, the Texans are allowing 15.6 points per game in the first half this season. I think that's a great opportunity for the Bears. Dare I say, get 14, 17 points. Stay, keep themselves in the game. Build themselves a little, little bit of a pad because you know that third quarter is going to be the desert when it comes to offense. 
They're going to have to make up for that. And that's one of my, those are my first two keys right there. First half and running the football. I was going to ask, you said that the, the Texans are so bad at allowing points in the first half. I was going to ask how they do in the third quarter. That's really the stat that we need to know. Well, in the second half, they're one of the better teams they're only allowing, I believe. By I don't care about the second half. I, I don't care. I need to know the third quarter. We can score in the fourth. We're great at it. This, the third quarter is all I care about. You know what? Uh, I'm guessing it's probably – it's not over 10, so it's not going to make them one of the worst. They're probably – I was looking up all these stats about the Houston Texans, and if you look them up, there isn't really anything that they do great. There isn't anything that they particularly do terribly except for stop the run. Everything else is like they're 15th in the NFL, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th. They're just perpetually right in the middle there in that mediocre area in terms of stats. Um, especially Purgatory. On, on defense. Yeah, baby. They're the bizarro bears, except with a quarterback. That's what makes them bizarro. So getting off to a good start in the first half and running the football are my first two keys. What's your second key? To a Bears victory and keeping Matt Nagy's job for one more week. Dude, you mentioned it. You talked about it. They have a weak, they have a, uh, a weak secondary. They have an ability to, to give up plays. Obviously, the loss of Roby is going to be you know, a big deal. I want to see us push the ball downfield and attack that secondary. I think that they can do that. Um, obviously, just looking to have those guys that can make those big explosive plays, make them when the opportunity arises. I want to see Darnell Mooney uh, have that game that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, you know, who knows? We, you and I are kind of up and down with Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson. He is, uh, he's like butter on toast, man. He's, he's perfect every time, but, uh, but you know, I want to see these guys go downfield, make big plays. And I think that uh, that's something they should be able to do is to push the ball and attack the secondary. Yeah, that's a great call. They've allowed over their last nine games, six different wide receivers to post 100 receiving yards or more against them. So that's a great start for Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, 904 yards right now. He's 96 short of his third 1000 yard season. Uh, for his career. So maybe, possibly, just maybe he can get that in this game. That's a great call. Um, you know, I, I just kind of, as you know, I just keep looking at, there's stats out there that say that the Texans do well against guarding the tight end. But again, I want to see Cole Komet out there. You know what I mean? I want to see that mix. I, you know, keep going back to it. That game was so traumatizing and so triggering, but so many cool things to take away from offensively in that game. And I just love seeing Cole Komet in space. As you mentioned, Anthony Miller catching balls across the middle. Darnell Mooney, dare we say, let's take some shots downfield. We haven't done that a ton. I know it's one of Mitch Trubisky's weakest aspects of his game. But, you know, screw it, man. You got to hit one once. to lose. You got to hit one once. We have to lose at this point. Yeah, yeah, we have nothing to lose at this point. And I'm going for my third key. I think I mentioned last week in terms of the defense, it's time to put some respect back on your name. I think I'm calling this segment this week. It's time to get out the GPS and find directions to where respect is, and then we need to drive there, and we just need to find that respect restaurant one more time and see if we can gain anything and glom anything from it because it's been really ugly the last couple of weeks. I think we both can agree that this defense has not played up to its capability. It's been very far off. I don't think they're this bad, and I don't think they're probably as good as we've given them credit for this season. There's probably somewhere in the middle. You know Deshaun Watson's going to play all four quarters in this game. He's going to keep coming the whole time. So I'm just hoping that, you know, maybe we see, dare I say, a pass rush. Only eight sacks their last six games. Pretty unacceptable. So let's GPS that defense. Let's GPS the respect for that defense and see if we can, uh, you know, we'll see if we can get some directions and uh, get a little bit back to baseline there. That's my third key. And piggybacking off of that, when I get into my third one, you know, when we talk about finding the GPS or using the GPS to find the defense and getting respect, 
Uh, I think the best way to do that is going to be the raise to raise intensity uh, that we put on Deshaun Watson. Obviously, we talk about how elite of a quarterback he can be. You know, the Bears, we think of them as being an elite pass rush. Obviously, uh, have not seen the sack productivity in these last few weeks that we are accustomed to. You know, part of that, a large part of that, though, uh, stems from Chuck Pagano and his play calling and, you know, being one of the least um, the least blitzing teams in the league. You know, I think you can sort of justify a lot of that when you talk about how good of a, of this, of a rush this team gets typically, you know, on their own without having to bring uh, pressure and bring these blitzes, but they have not been getting home lately. You know, obviously some of that was with the absence of Akeem Hicks. I don't know if it's just late in the season, if we're, you know, whatever it may be, but we're not getting uh, the pressure on the quarterback that we need to. So I think that it's important that they dial up pressure. Chuck Logano gets a little, more creative dials up more of that pressure from the blitz position uh, from those linebacker spots and other guys on the field uh, to get Deshaun Watson to be uncomfortable and to create that pressure that we have not been able to generate naturally over these last few weeks. So that's what I want to do is see them uh, pick up the pressure, pick up the intensity, get Deshaun Watson uncomfortable if possible, because the man is a wizard uh, in the pocket and outside of the pocket as well, but it's not a good, a very good offensive line. So pick up the blitzes, get pressure on the quarterback and see if we are able to uh, get things going in the right direction that way. I mean, is it fair to say that it probably does boil down to the pass rush in that game? Because if we can't get home on Deshaun Watson and he gets what that 2.5 seconds to throw the ball, he's going to carve us up. Right. I mean, I don't care if it's Kiki Kuti out there or whoever they have catching footballs out there. I mean, this could get really ugly if we don't get home. Exactly. No, I mean, that's the longer they have the ball in their hands, the more time they have to make a decision, the, the more dangerous a quarterback is going to be. And Deshaun Watson is as good as they come at that. And so, yeah, I, I like, like you mentioned, they may not have the receive the receiving core that you're terrified of. Um, but Deshaun Watson is good enough to overcome any lack of talent that you may see at the wide, wide receiver positions. So if they don't get home, if they don't dial up pressure, if they don't put pressure on, Deshaun Watson, it's going to be a long day for the Bears defense. Cameron, it's time. We do it every single week. We pick the perhaps stat line that's going to be for week 14 for our quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, against the Texans. Give me passing yards, touchdowns, interceptions, and rushing yards that you think he's going to get in week 14. Jeez, Joey, man. Uh, you really put me between a rock and a hard place because on one hand, when I do these assessments and I provide my prediction, I want to be – you know, a Bears guy. <laughs> I want to yeah. be, I want to have people keep listening to the show and, and talk about how, you know, that Cameron is loyal and he believes in the Bears. But on the other hand, man, I, I'm a member of the media and I have to, you know, have a valid. We need you shooting from the hip and not the heart, Cameron. Is what That's what Bears fans want, my friend. Okay. Well, then if the way I see it, I think Mitch is going to have another good game. I, I like the way he's played. Uh, in the last few weeks, obviously, mistakes have been made, but I, I think he'll be okay. I see him having 207 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception, 22 yards rushing. We've not been running the ball like I, like I want him to, but 22 yards rushing. Yeah, I'm not that far away, honestly. I was going to say about 247, one touchdown, one interception, and maybe I'll go a little bit higher than you. I'm going to say maybe 34 yards rushing because you can get that in a couple different ways. Maybe you'll get that in the first half when things are going well, or maybe if you're losing the football game, maybe he picks that up later in the game. But as we mentioned last week, I think really the key to what made the offense go is getting the ball in David Montgomery's hands, especially when you got into that red zone area. I think that's going to be so key. You know, once you get down there, you got to punch that in for touchdowns. I think that is just 
a David Montgomery or bust zone. Just take it out of Mitch's hands unless you're going to do something really creative on a rollout and maybe, you know, try and minimize him being impactful in those areas and see if he can just work the 20 to 20 sticks a little bit and be effective in that area. So I'm right there with you on that. Cameron, here we go. It's time for our final score predictions. I believe you are nine and three on the season. I am six I and six. I think I'm eight and four. You're eight and four? I, oh, because we I, both picked I up the win last I week. I a win. Roll the I, tape back. Eight and four and six and six. Um, you know, this has nothing to do with our brains uh, and our and analysis. It has a lot to more to do with the schizophrenia that is the Chicago Bears this season. But uh, what do you think of our week 14 Bears-Texans? Give me a final score. Same thing, man. I, w- <laughs> I want to, I want to believe what I, you know, I want to believe what's in my heart and uh, trust this team, but I just can't. I've, I've been heartbroken too many times. I got Houston 24 to 20. 24 to 20? Uh, I have Houston I have Houston 30 to 23. I don't have um, – I don't quite have the faith in the defense that I probably had a month ago. I have, I have more faith in the offense putting up points, especially in a situation where if they're down in the game, they could probably get one of those late touchdowns that make it seem – appear to be close but Cameron I'm with you man every single week you know we look at the opponent more most specifically and we look at areas and then we're like hey the Bears can take advantage of this you know there's an area here that this opponent has that you know they can maybe you know do something with here and you know we were both on it we didn't think that they're going to win you know the Titans game and there's some other games that are tough matchups Packers game specifically but in theory this is a game with the talent that the Bears have that they probably could win you know, but everything should, should but, win. Yes, but everything that's trending, the way that they're playing, the way that the coaching staff has handled the situation, you know, the way that, you know, God, the fact that our offensive line suddenly isn't like the least of our problems now and the defense is more of a, a bigger issue in the pass rush than the offensive line, which is a crazy thing to say in this 2020 season. I'm with you. They're just so hard to trust. They haven't won a football game since October 18th. Cameron, it's December. I was, I was a young man back then. Yeah. <laughs> we were gray hair now. Oh, yeah, we were full now. of spit and vinegar. We had a, there was a pep in our step. Yeah, We've aged. We've aged horribly. I just can't, at this point, you know what I mean? I don't know why the smart money would go on towards the Bears winning the game. And at this point now, I think we're daring them. You know what I mean? We're literally antagonizing the Chicago Bears team to go out and win a football game and prove us wrong. You know, we're both picking the Texans to win, and you know what? I hope I'm wrong. I hope I go to under 500. I really do. It's a, it's a tactic Michael Scott would call reverse psychology. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't need to be liked. Do I need to be adored? <laughs> do I need to be feared? Yes, but I don't need to be liked. <laughs> oh, Cameron, you know what? This season's been crazy, man, but I'm glad that we get to laugh about it a little bit. And hopefully, you know, we are talking about a Bears victory because we, we have a lot more fun when we're talking about good things that happen on the football field. And uh, we'll have to just see what happens in week 14. And we're just going to prepare ourselves, and Bears fans, prepare ourselves as well. Deshaun Watson versus Mitchell Trubisky. You know, this is going to hit a very, very raw nerve this weekend, okay? So just go easy on yourselves, all right? Mr. Trubisky, he's not the worst quarterback of all time. Deshaun Watson's not the greatest quarterback of all time. And somewhere in the middle there, there is some truth, all right? So don't fly off the handle. You know, tweet responsibly. 
Or don't. Just don't tweet. Yeah, just don't tweet at all. That's a Keep your phone call. in your pocket. Keep your phone in your pocket during this game. <laughs> You're going to say something wrong. Cameron Bears vs. Texans week 14 coming around the bend. We're going to be bringing the good people that listen to the Believe in Bears podcast a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful post-game pod. Until then, you're going to bring us home on a great pod. But real quick, I want to give a shout-out also to the people that do the intro music for our the intro music for our pod, the Twisted Beat on YouTube. I want to give a shout-out to them. You haven't done that all season. I want to do that now. But other than take us home on another great pod, Cameron. You've been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you check out our post-game show Sunday so we can recap a, I'm calling it, I'm calling scintillating. it a scintillating Bears victory. We're both going to be wrong. The Bears are going to win this one. Anyway, uh, make sure you tune in for that. Make sure you give us a like, a subscribe, a follow, depending on the platform you're on. And uh, make sure you tell your friends because your friends need to know. Anyway, for Joey Scott Christopoulos. That's right. For Cam- and I'm Cameron Todd Lee. Please remember to always bear down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.